people straying with them for a time and then vanished among the trees. Without the direwolf, John felt almost naked. He found himself glancing at every shadow. Well, then he could just put flour on himself. (laughs) Unbidden, he thought back to the tales that old Nan used to tell them when he was a boy at Winterfell. He could almost hear her voice again and the click-click-click of her needles. In that darkness, the others came riding, she used to say, dropping her voice lower and lower. Cold and dead they were, and they hated iron and fire and the touch of the sun, and every living creature with hot blood in its veins. Holdfasts and cities and kingdoms of men all fell before them, as they moved south on pale, dead horses, leading hosts of the slain. They fed their dead servants on the flesh of human children. Dot, dot, dot. Oh, there's finally the tie to the children thing, because... Selena, did you remember that at all? I think we talked about it when we were doing the season two episodes, but the actual giving of babies to the uh-huh. to the White Walkers. Remember how is it Craster? Yeah. There was there was that shot of him, and John followed him, and we know that he was giving away some of his children to the people with blue eyes. But that's the first actual reference I remember in the book of of hearing about that because in the show. I, I sorry in the book I don't remember reading about it. Mm, I don't know. I feel like I feel like he talked about it in the book, but I I'm doubting myself now. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I maybe it just wasn't overly alluded to the way that apparently it was. But I, I guess maybe I need to read better. <laughs> so is, is that where the children of the forest are? The the White Walkers ate them all ages ago. The, yeah. No. Uh, but no, the children of the forest aren't really children. I oh. guess. Spoiler alert. I don't know. Oh, are they just like pygmy creatures like in Mummy Returns? I think so. I'm not 100% sure, actually. Uh, okay, that's fine. It's actually, they're actually a boy band, Children of the Forest. <laughs> are they, are they a boy? Is there like, is there like Westeros Rock? Like they're Yeah, exactly. Rock? Yep. If there isn't, there should be. <laughs> so form your Westeros Rock bands. Also, Brienne's oddly. Bitches. That's going to be mine. <laughs> oh, Brienne's, Brienne's Bitches. Mine would just be Kingslayer, and I would. Ooh, that's yeah. a badass that's name. That's a good one. That's a good rock King band. Kingslayer. Yeah. Um, that's another listener but, challenge right there. Come up with your best Westerosian band name. Oh man! So this is uh, this is two two days, two episodes in a row that we've done insanely awesome Westeros themed listener challenges. It is. Obviously, uh, your your ones from the last episode are still available if you haven't yet had a chance to listen and somehow skipped an episode. We asked for um, what would be on your Westeros Christmas tree, you know, based on the environment of Game of Thrones. And this episode, it's your Westeros rock band. What would you name it? So, God, I wonder what we'll come up with uh, for the next episode. But um, just stay tuned and uh, and you'll find out. So... Today we follow up on our Sansa chapter with a John chapter. So, so how does that work? When you go beyond the wall, is that like walking through a portal, and all of a sudden? It's like Narnia. Yeah, I was going to say. Not as nice. Not no, as nice at no, all. No portly Mister Tumnus. <laughs> no Mister Tumnus to meet that. you. Um, no. And your compass probably goes crazy, and there's no more north. No more north, no south. You're just That's in true. no man's wasteland. I actually caught Game of Thrones on TV. Uh, the other night, and uh, it was kind of like a season one marathon, but not really because it stopped probably about three or four episodes before the end. But it's it's always cool just catching it on television. This has absolutely nothing to do with this chapter uh, because I, it's not like I saw this chapter on TV, and that's why I'm remembering it. But 
it's 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 so cool to just go back and and just watch it through again and actually see how much detail is incorporated into the show and how much information is there. Like there was this scene between Jamie Lannister and Robert and Sir Barristan the Bold, and they're talking about their first kills, and it, I just it it's one of those things that makes me just love the series even more. So they're all finally, I guess we last left them when they graduated, right? Yes, they all said the oath together, and uh, Ghost was feeling a little bit left out, so he came back and uh, showed them what he retrieved deep within the forest. Yes. Um, And what was that, Micah? It was a hand. Just a hand. Kind of like the hand of the king, maybe. Maybe that was foreshadowing. You never know. I hope it was. We talked to you last week about foreshadowing, Micah. If it doesn't, if it doesn't spread six books without a payoff, then it's not foreshadowing. Yeah, that's true. I can't, I cannot deny that the uh, you make a good, you make a good claim. The hand of the king has been severed. The hand has been severed. It is, but we find out it wasn't really the king's hand. Right. Um, it was a hand belonging to somebody else on the Night's Watch. Mm-hmm. They are out there. They are trekking, and Ghost is with them. Overall, I thought this was a pretty good chapter, and I liked the length of it. Um, it just seemed to have a lot of detail, and it wasn't boring. Not that the other John chapters were boring, but at least something's happening. Finally, they're able to venture out yeah. um, north of the wall. So I think most of all my curiosity and my um, anxiety about actually seeing what was north of there, all my excitement just built up to this Yeah, chapter. And you finally get – it's not just – John and Sam and, and and the rest that were there. It's almost like they put out an APB, right? They're like, well, we have a uh, Night's Watch Ranger down, missing an arm. Can the Lord Commander please report to the scene? You know, so he, he comes with all of his Rangers, and, and now they're starting a hunt, because they want to uh, find out, well, who's missing their hand? Like, where is this guy? It's, it's probably not good that his hand is missing. It doesn't bode well, right? No. Like, <laughs> some guy's missing his hand. What state are we going to find the rest of him in? Probably not a good state. I'm I'm going to take a wild guess and say probably not a good state at all. <laughs> you brought up you know getting the chance to go beyond the wall and kind of exploring what's out there, and you do see some of that in in season two, but not as much I think as season three and, and or book three and kind of beyond. And I, I I like getting the the chance to go and see what's really out there like as the books progress you get much much more of the wildlings and the white walkers but you don't know what's out there you don't know how these people are sustaining i mean we got to see craster and and his daughters slash wives but there's just so much taking place this world is so vast like how you can possibly keep count and 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 know what's going on at any given time it's really fascinating because it's you, you know, Martin gets to do the the whole political and I, I want to say like anthropological issues and book with with all his you know in Westeros in the country of Westeros with its seven kingdoms. You know, he gets to do the wars and the battles and all that. But separately from that, once you go north of the wall, it's like it's almost like a completely different book, right? It's sci-fi with yeah. you know some deep you know history of the first men so it's very deeply like ancient and and ritualistic and almost you know all that stuff and then also he goes to Karth 
and you know east with Daenerys eventually which you know obviously we haven't gotten there yet in the book but it you know it's very eastern and and like a one girl's personal story of uh not redemption but like survival and it's just like three different types of stories that you can tell like it wasn't enough to just invent Westeros and the seven kingdoms all with their own bannermen and you know structures and sigils and all that stuff but he's really just doing a lot and it's fascinating I think I agree with one of the um, quotes on the back of the book, you know, which is just that uh, something to the effect of he's completely solidified this as a, as a great starter book. There's just so much in it, and it really signals great things to come. Did you write this quote? It says it's from which, the Chicago Sun-Times. <laughs> it says, Reminiscent of T.H. White's The Once and Future King, this novel is an absorbing combination of the mythic, the sweepingly historical and the intensely personal. Yeah. Yeah, I wrote that. I was, um, you know, four at the time when this book came out, and I, I did not uh, live in Chicago, but they, they commissioned me. It was actually my first writing job. There you, you like go. That? Oh, congratulations. Very well done. Nice. They said in 30 words or less, describe this book. And uh, at the time, I was actually just talking about the cover, you know, because the sword on the front is, is actually sweepingly historical and intensely personal. Yeah. <laughs> And it's mythic, so right, isn't it? That could be describing yes. this. I don't think this guy from the Chicago Sun-Times actually read the book. No, I don't think so. But they do They do happen upon the corpses of Othor and Jafer Flowers. Othor, I want to say? Othor. Othor. I, I said it like Hodor when I read it. Yeah, it's the you're first, probably right. It's the first word of the chapter. Probably related. Othor. Othor and Jafer, or Jafar as I like to call him. Jafar. Uh, Jafar. Flowers. So, so Flowers is a bastard from... Is it High Garden? River Run? No, it's High Garden. Flowers is a is a bastard from High Garden. So we're, we're actually seeing now other bastards up on the wall aside from just John. But it seems as if, uh, unfortunately for Jafar, that uh, Iago didn't stand around uh, to uh, to try and help him out. He flew away uh, and left Jafar to something that apparently killed him and has, has left his poor body frozen to death uh, beyond the wall. But they also mentioned Benjen Stark, right? Um, that Benjen Stark has now been missing for half a year and they fear that because these rangers were the ones who accompanied uh, him out into his watch that Benjen may be dead as well. Yeah. Do you think there's any hope for Benjen, Eric? I, I, yeah. I mean, definitely. I think that until you find the body, he's either a reanimated corpse or... He's somehow surviving in little hutches underneath the snow embankments, you know, kind of living off of uh, some some venison or something. Yeah. But I sure hope so. Something's up with these bodies, right? Because the dogs won't go near them, the horses yeah. won't go near them, and this re- <laughs> yeah. This reminded me a lot of Alien or of Terminator, just other, other stuff that you see in other books and and not to say that martin borrowed it from but the idea is the same that that the animals have like a sixth sense about this whole thing um they can see or smell something that's different you know these bodies in this case have been marked or have been you know magic is affecting them something like that much in the way of the alien um (laughs) in the alien series you know humans appear to be okay but there's about to be an alien gestating from them and in Terminator, the dogs can just sense that a Terminator is near, and they bark, bark, bark to alert the humans that, you know, can only see that the Terminator looks human. They let them into their camp, and then all hell breaks loose. Right. So it's just the same thing. I, I really liked how it built suspense that the dogs were even not touching. Even Sam knows that something's wrong, 
and nobody wants to believe him because they all think he's stupid. Somebody even mentions, I think <laughs> I it's it's Chet that, oh, uh, he sh- he probably just shit his pants and nobody even knows about it because he took one look at these guys and was scared half to death. It's so horrible. Even the old bear who we're supposed to like, he goes to, to Sam when he's trying to give him a compliment. He's like, you're fat, but you're not stupid, boy. <laughs> it's like, great. <laughs> you can be fat and smart. Here, here's what Sam had to say. This, this is all wrong. The blood, there's blood stains on their clothes and and their flesh, dry and hard, but there's none on the ground or anywhere. With those, 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 with those wounds, terrible wounds, <laughs> there should be blood all over, shouldn't there? Aw, Sam. Sam, always good to hear from him on, on yeah. the Game of Owns podcast, but he's right. I mean... It should be blood all over the place, and and I don't think that it's just that the blood froze, uh, or maybe it did. No, so he's implying, and you know, the bodies have moved or have been moved. This is not where they died. No, it's not. Probably not. But mm-hmm. do you think? Do you think? And obviously, in this chapter, we later learned that they have been transformed in a way into these others. Do you think that the White Walkers are kind of like teasing the Night's Watch a little bit by by killing their men and just kind of dumping them close enough to the wall so that they get an idea that shit's about to go down? It's hard to see. Or do you think like a White Walker doesn't even think that that through? Well, no, it's hard to see. Like it's hard to gauge what they're thinking, right? Because there's supposed to be these others that don't have the same culture as us. You know, they're not just humans, even though they have the power to somehow animate dead humans like there i think it is a scare tactic you're right and i think that everybody's saying winter's coming winter's coming and these these guys these boys i should say you know who've just become rangers this is the first assignment north of the wall and they are not ready for the kind of reality that these white walkers can wreak hell upon them with right and and it's mentioned that they've been gone for eight thousand years so it's not like the white walkers are that that, that they that they're seasonal, you know. They show up at the <laughs> every winter, and and there's wars that are waged. They've been gone for quite a while, um, and who who was really even around? Nobody. The last time that that they they were supposedly seen. So this is this is all kind of the mysticism that was being talked about that you mentioned in that quote, and and it's completely different element because you don't know what you're working against. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Not only is it ass-bitingly cold and you know finger-numbingly cold, but you're you're dealing with something that you just don't know how it operates. You know, you can maybe maybe living where they have on the wall, they've gotten used to the cold or you know figured out the best way they can work with it. Now, very clearly, there's you know these other creatures that are coming back, and it's just like, oh shit! How do we how do we ever defeat them in the first place? You know, it asks it, it, all those questions get get you know asked and. Why is it they're back now, of all times? And now the king has died, which they find out, which is just a real damn shame. And it just seems like it's raining shit on the Night's Watch right now yep. from both directions. Yep. It's it's Daiwan who points out that these corpses also have blue eyes. And so everything about them is telling you that maybe we we should just dispose of these bodies somewhere. Someone even mentions that they should be burned. But Lord Commander's like, nah, we should bring him back to Castle Black. 
So, do you think Lord Commander's never seen anything like this before? I don't think he has. Yeah. Because these, what are they called? The White Walkers. They're kind of the myth, aren't they? Like, they are sort of the, the telling that something huge is happening up north that everybody is paying attention to. You know, it's why the the wildlings want to move across the wall. It's why everything is sort of stirring up is because these White Walkers are walking now and, and they, they were only just a myth. So I think it really catches him by surprise as much as anyone else. Yeah, I think maybe he's he's heard stories just like everybody else, but I don't know that he's ever encountered anything like this before. You know, it's it seems that some of his men have gone missing in the past, but perhaps he's just chalked that up to the wildlings and and that they've been captured or killed. Not that there's anything quite like this. And uh, what what I wanted to ask though is if they're having uh, Maester Aemon go through the bodies, examine the bodies, how, what is he supposed to be able to? to discern from all of this. I mean, he's he's obviously blind, so is it just kind of touch and feel? Isn't that a little creepy? <laughs> no, I think, well, he's probably like one of those physician people who have been, you know, have made their way around the human body, if you know what I mean, <laughs> so many times that that he just wow. he can just do it blind. I don't know. I'm not trying to make him out like a pervert. <laughs> yeah. It's just like a blind guy feeling up dead people's bodies is, is like something out of criminal minds not <laughs> though i guess it's appropriate in a song of ice and fire as well actually yeah <laughs> <laughs> it, it actually fits quite well uh but but eric you mentioned that we get the news that that robert has been killed you also get the news that ned has been labeled a traitor and imprisoned as a result and obviously uh that doesn't sit too well with john no and i i, I just feel the such a, sh- a shame that you know <sighs> Old Bear tells John that the king is dead. Your father's been imprisoned, um, you know, and charged with treason for trying to deny deny the throne to Joffrey. Really, the thought should be, well, you know, John 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 says, oh, you know, that that can't be true. That that has to be not right. But in reality, you're just like, okay, if he's trying to deny the throne to Joffrey, he must have a good reason to do it. You know, I guess that these things are lost on them due to the distance that. Is coming. And it's not quite like they can all just disobey the queen, I guess. But unfortunately, I just feel the repercussions of Ned being snuffed out before he could get word to, even though he had the opportunity, to really tell people what's going on. Yeah, definitely. And of course, Eliza Thorne takes the opportunity to mock Ned. Which which kind of reminded me of Snape always mocking James. I know we've, we've compared <laughs> Thorne to Snape a couple of times. I think it's an accurate comparison. Uh, and then John basically says, "Shut the fuck up," and goes after him with a dagger, which, which, which more <laughs> or less, you know, maybe you don't want to do. And that kind of gets him sent uh, up to his room with no dinner. In detention. Yeah, detention. No, but John does feel, and this was um, this was great to to read, was that he feels this loyalty towards his father, you know, and he he wants to assert the lineage, you know, he's not ashamed of his father at all, you know, and, and the fact that everybody else will continually, you know, tell John, oh, you're bastard this, bastard that, like, he really cares about Ned, and he wants to honor his, he wants to honor him, you know, in, in, in the ways that he can. Yeah. And in this case, it was, you know, by getting out a dagger. So, John gets sent up to his room, and uh, he's told to stay there, but in the middle of the night, he hears something, and it's not Santa coming down the chimney. Uh <laughs> It's not even Varys in a red suit and slippers. And slippers. Yeah, so 
as we mentioned a little bit uh, earlier in the, in this episode, one of these dead bodies comes to life and is skulking his way towards uh, the old bear's bedroom when John happens upon him with Ghost. And a fight ensues, and John ends up winning with fire. I guess he played that card secretly beforehand and uh, comes out victorious. But clearly there's uh, a big problem going on here, and now both John and the Lord Commander are aware that there are more than just wildlings beyond the wall. Right. Yes, it was yeah. so great. I loved it, and I loved because at this point, John is really kind of you know far out in a way. He's attacked one of the other members of the Night's Watch. He's been put in in prison essentially. You know, nobody really knows what to do with him. But then, through this insane act of bravery, it's a very you know you were saying Snape earlier. This is a very Harry Potter moment, really. You know, it's Harry breaking the rules to save the school. It's essentially what he does. Hogwarts being the wall. Yeah, <laughs> and um. And I think that that he sort of has to do this insane act of bravery to earn, like to earn everybody. They already know he can do stuff, but now it's like they know how how strong, how powerful he is, and how brave he is, and all of yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's it's a trust earning moment too for the Lord Commander, and and it maybe in some ways validates him putting John in this position and knowing that John is meant for greater things beyond where he is right now. Yeah. It's very Dumbledorean. <laughs> yeah. It is. Though I don't think the Lord Commander of the Night's Watch has any cool socks that Ooh. he wears. Or maybe he does. I'm, yeah, I think he does. It's what what cool kind of socks do you think he wears? Like oh, penguin socks? Um, this is going to be our next challenge, <laughs> right? Po- polar Stop. bear socks. Definitely oh, polar bear too socks. Many <laughs> too many challenges. Too many challenges. We should just move on without challenges. Well, speaking of challenges, we did get some people sent uh, to send us in what they would put on their Game of Owns uh, Christmas tree. Oh, okay. Would you like me to share those with you? Yes, let's do that since we're talking about socks and, and colds and wall and yeah. fire. So uh, Penny Lane 516 tweets at us, ornaments of all the sigils to put on the tree. That's pretty cool. And Selena, you'll like this, Jon Snow under it. <laughs> right? I do like that. Uh, Karina Garcia tweeted in, I'm making ornaments with all your faces on them. Ew. That's what you don't like that. Oh wow! <laughs> no, 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 I, no! <laughs> wait, nice. I don't mean to sound ungrateful, but no, we said in the previous episode that Selena, you, you know, that it was Ned's head was a bauble because his head is off his body. Yeah, but she's just know? she's probably like painting our faces or or drawing our faces. Yes, yes but I just think of it as being us oh. like being headless then. Headless. So yes. That was just my first. I, it's reaction. a privilege to be headless on your Christmas tree. <laughs> <laughs> Nearly headless. Oh, wow. How could he be nearly headless? Ashley Shadowbrook uh, tweeted in, The heads of my enemies. We can put Viserys's at the top since it's gold and sparkly like a star. Ah, I like that. Let's get off the subject of heads. All right, here you go. And then uh, Shelby Lynn Walker also uh, sent us a tweet saying, I'd get a white tree with red lights and lots of direwolves and snowflake ornaments in honor of the Starks and old gods. I think in honor of the series, she should change her name to Shelby Lynn White Walker. Yes, Aww. I think so, too. I like that. We're going to have to. So how about that? That's our very specific listener challenge. <laughs> yeah. Well done. <laughs> if you actually do that. <laughs> <laughs> Just tweeted us. Did it. Yeah. Um, we but, we need uh, to see legal proof, though. So please uh, send in a copy of whatever documentation is required for name <laughs> changes. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, um, and uh, he will win. Uh, what will she win? Um, I will see if we can get you a weirwood tree for Christmas. Yes, we'll work on that. Uh, but how about Owens for this particular chapter of the book? What did you guys think was own worthy? Mine, mine goes to Sam from the passage that he shared with us earlier in the show. I just think the fact that he and he does this a number of times throughout the series. I feel like uh, you know he has just a, a better understanding of things at times than other people, and he's able to see things a little bit more clearly. And I think this was one of those moments. For sure, mm. um, Selena, what do you think? Well, my my own is uh, for George R. R. Martin. I got to give it to him for the descriptions in this. I tweeted them out earlier. I had the best time reading this chapter. First, you get. Beats of sweat dotted the Lord Commander's broad forehead like dew on a melon. <laughs> and then his round face was the color of curdled milk. What what this man can do with words is just... This, this is what I tweeted. This is why you read the books and you don't just watch the show. Yeah. Because in the show you get all the epicness, but you don't get this. You yeah. don't get like dew curdled on a melon. Milk faces. I remember... It, right. It, yeah, it's exactly like when we were talking about that uh, chapter with the eerie in it and the descriptions that he's able to write. It's just amazing to, to read that. And, and we got none of it really, uh, unfortunately in the show other than, you know, just seeing the actual building for maybe five seconds. Mm. Uh, and my own goes to ghost, um, because ghost is kind of definitely an asset to the wall, even though it's, you know, John's bravery that kind of, gets things going ghost is there to kind of i feel like ghost isn't of this world any more than the white walkers are you know uh dire wolves are kind of mythical creatures and they might have i want to say advantage in ghost um because he's not a human and yet he's on their side yeah that i mean i i I can't see him you know single dire wolfedly handling the white walkers but i'm very glad just created a new verb Single direwolfedly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Single podly. There you um, go. Or quadruple podly handling all the White Walkers. But uh, I definitely think that, uh, you know, I like that he's an advantage and I like that he's back in this chapter. Well, if you would like to uh, send us your owns from this chapter or perhaps share with us what you would put on your Game of Owns Christmas tree or what your Westerosian band name would be, you can do so by tweeting at us at Game of Owns like uh, many of the listeners have this week. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Game of Owns, as well as our website, gameofowns.com. You can as well rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, We appreciate your feedback and your reviews. We do read some on the show from time to time, and uh, as you well know, nothing less than five stars is acceptable. Uh, And given that it's the holiday season, I, I don't feel that there's any need for threats or or th- such things. I, I feel as if, uh, it, it, you know, it's it's that time of year. You should be uh, in the giving mood. So give us five stars, and we'll give you episodes. That's the deal. Oh yay. And otherwise, we'll chop off your head and put it on our Christmas tree. The, Selena, you know, I tried to be nice, but you... you <laughs> Someone has to threat people. You tried to up it a little be disappointed. bit. <laughs> Selena stepped up the game. She did. Yeah, she <laughs> she did. The ball. You know what it is? Ever since Chris came on the show... Uh, it's just been impossible to top. I've said this on other shows, but it's very difficult to top the uh, the uh, the threat that he put into place. If anyone can do it, though, it's you. Well, I, th- I thank you for that. Though you seem to be doing pretty well, thre- threatening <laughs> our listeners with their heads. I've wanted being to put do it for Christmas so long. <laughs> but there, there is also uh, another website you can go to, not only for uh, Game of Thrones news, but for news of 
any and all fandoms, anyone that exists ever, is on Ooh, this website ever. that is called Hypable. com. <laughs> That's what it's called. <laughs> I thought it was Game of Phones. No, Hypable. com is the website where you go, as Micah said, to find all kinds of fandom news for a variety of different shows. What, what's hot like, right like now? Like Merlin. Merlin is really hot right now because it's ending. It's in its final few weeks of existing. And Game of Thrones fans should like Merlin because it's like the G version of Game of Thrones. <laughs> and I don't think that sounds interesting at all. It's so... Oh, it's, it's cute. It's a cute show. And we're doing this thing called Month of Merlin right now, which is just doing loads of different columns and fun things with the fans of the show to to send it off in style. One of the columns we're actually doing is we're trying to... Because all the we really like all the cast on Merlin, so we're trying to find them all roles on Game of Thrones. So uh, we, we're looking ahead to future books, and we're trying to cast them in important oh, roles that's cool. that are coming up just for fun, me and Jess. Yeah. You should, uh, you should also mention that actually several of the the cast members on Game of Thrones up to mm. this point have appeared on, on Merlin at, at certain times, yeah. right? Charles Dance was in this uh, in this season, and as Ooh. well, the guy who plays Sam Tarley came on and died, <laughs> which was very upsetting, I have to say. And uh, there's been a few different ones. And um, what's-his-face, D- Dudley from Harry Potter was on there. No kidding. Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, it's it's... It's keeping the uh, the British acting world employed, apparently. Exactly. So I don't know what they're going to do now that Merlin's gone. I'm sure they'll find another uh, fantasy-based uh, series to, to cast all these people Just in. Just get them soon. on Game of Thrones. Yeah. Or maybe the BBC version of Casual Vacancy. There you go. <laughs> oh, yes. We were going to do a column about that, too, casting them all on there. <laughs> Um, I might still do that. It'd be, just for it'd be fun. kind of weird if somebody from the Potter series ended up on that. Uh, well, it'd be hard BBC not to, right? Uh, we, they just need Hugo, uh, Hugo Weaving, and uh, Hugh Laurie, and that Hugo would be it. Weaving. No, he's Australian, isn't he? Yeah, I'm thinking of the British. You know, isn't it somebody who says like they're the British actor that the one British actor that didn't make it into Harry Potter? Wasn't and that Hugh Grant? Um, Hugh Grant and um, Colin Firth. Who else didn't do it? Tim Tim Roth didn't make it. Colin Firth. They'd have to cast all of them and. Or Game of Thrones, as there's many more seasons to go. Thank you guys all for listening. We look forward to seeing you on Friday, where we're going to be discussing uh, Season 3 a little bit. Okay. Happy Hobbiting. (laughs) Happy Hobbiting! Yay! Happy Hobbiting. And uh, may the 48 frames per second be with you.